Hey everybody, it's your girl Rika. Welcome back to another episode of Soul Healer Podcast. And I am blessed to have my special co-host back with me today. Hey, 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 Jessica Rabbit. Hey, Rika. Thank you for having me back. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so are you ready for the holidays? I'm getting ready. Um, I still have to go shopping. I keep asking these kids for a list. But um, nobody has given me one yet. But I did get a tree for nine dollars because I'm gonna tell you how I did that. So I shop on Wayfair a lot, and I have the Wayfair Mastercard. So I had bought all this stuff, and I didn't realize I had that many um, was it like credits that you either can change to money or you can use for a purchase. So the tree was on sale for Black Friday for like two eighty. I had like two. 60 something credits and $30, another $30 credit. So with the tax, everything only paid $9 out of pocket. So I was like, I can't wait for this tree to get here. <laughs> Girl, I got a nice little pop-up tree that you slide up in the box Ooh, <laughs> when you're done that- with it. And you just pop it right back up. <laughs> oh, no, that sounds like a good tree. I, I want something simple because, you know, it's, it's hard. These kids don't want to help out, so. Yeah, it's a nice little tree. Sometimes we may change up the di- um I was gonna say the directions. The decorations um may change the colors or something because I think when we got it, it had burgundy and gold. And that's like Ooh. the red skin or commander's colors. And we are a Ravens household. So we had to- <laughs> my husband was not going for that. Okay, well, for you guys listening today. We're going to have a discussion about sexual assault. Um, This is a topic that some people don't really feel comfortable discussing. Um, They may sweep it under the rug, as a lot of people know, um, or bury it. What happens stays in this house. What happens in your personal business? You don't tell nobody. Um, But this episode resonates deeply with me and it actually came about because I had a dream the other day and there was a person in my dream that I've known since childhood. And it was a neighbor of mine who's a female, but she also sexually assaulted me. But as a kid, I didn't know that that's what it was. So um, by her being in that dream, And it felt, it was like, I felt sorry for her in the dream. Like I was trying to protect her from something. And a lot of times that's what ends up happening. We don't speak up. We don't say anything um, because we feel we have to protect other people or avoid conflict or confrontation. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Um, And not just Jessica and I, but Another guest will be joining us in a second. Her name is Nagin. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that conversation goes. And hopefully it can help someone else out there to open up about their own experiences. And if you want to share your experience or just have someone to talk to that may understand that will come from a place of non-judgment you know, reach out, send a email. You can email me at info at rikadavis.com. 
R-E-K-A-D-A-V-I-S.com. Maybe we'll do another episode. Um, but yeah, however I or we can support you through this process, I'll be sharing some more information towards the end of this podcast. So definitely stay tuned. Um, and Jessica, uh, you know, we'll see what you have to share about this topic. Um, we yeah. still have a few more minutes for Nagin to join us. But have you had any experiences with sexual assault? Yes, as a child, teenager, and adult. Um, so it's been at different stages of my life. It looks differently each time. Um, as a child, my cousin did it, and another cousin, my mother realized something was wrong. She said, I came up the stairs, and I wouldn't talk. And she said, this wasn't my child. And then I, she took me to go get ice cream, and I remember her talking to me. And I said, what happened? And then my mother went back to my cousin's parents, and they actually said, oh, we've been know she was doing that. She was doing that to multiple people in the church. Mm-hmm. And they brushed it off like, oh, she, we've been knew that, but you're not going to stop it. <clears throat> and then I remember um, one time, actually going to a therapist, I believe it was. I remember the doll in the hair I could see the pubic hair on the dolls and the penis and them asking me stuff I remember I remember being in a room by myself with the person um the therapist I remember that which was like I can I think I was like maybe three or four I can remember like back in the house I know where the hospital is so that's where my mom used to go for her um visits for the OBGYN so it was the same hospital I remember all that being done and being said so I don't know exactly what happened with that one I don't know who did it or what but I believe it was an adult because it was showing me adult dolls it wasn't like little kids and then as a teenager I had um a friend of a friend left his baseball cap and he came to get it and he raped me in my basement and I didn't say anything and then this is how fast karma happened two days later he got killed in the drive-by so I was like wow Mm -hmm. and then as as an adult it happened and the guy told me oh this is not rape I said it is rape I don't want to have sex with you I do not want to have sex with you you cannot blackmail me with sex that's rape I don't want to have it and he continued to say oh that's not rape that's not rape Mm -hmm. so I had different stages all look different it just made me be very protective of my girls my girls don't go anywhere um there's only one person that I really would trust with my girls. Um, her her daughters come to my house, but I don't. They've never spent the night out at anyone's house, family members' house, and stuff. But their grandparents, um, even with my mother-in-law, her husband isn't their biological grandfather. I don't. At the time when they were together, I didn't want to let her know that because I didn't want to make her feel bad. But I didn't want my kids to spend the night there because. I'm like, that's not their biological father. Grandfather, how do I know they'll be in a safe place? Space, You know, and it's just, I just didn't let it happen. So, yeah, I'm very, very protective because I don't want them to go through what I went through. Wow. And I just heard you mention that it was a female that you had an experience with before? <clears throat> yes, my first female, the first experience was a female, yes. So a lot of people think that 
it's usually the opposite sex. Well, I don't know if a lot of people think that, but some people may think it's just the opposite sex that it happens with. But just like in my case, one of the people that did this to me was a female. So it's like your parents may trust you with someone of the same sex because they don't think that that person may do something to you. Mm-hmm. But you you just never know. And we're going to get a little bit deeper into this discussion in a second. We will be right back. And at that time, Nagin will be joining us. So just stay tuned. Okay, we are back for this discussion today on Soul Healer Podcast um, about sexual assault. And joining us now is our special guest, Nagin. Welcome, Nagin, to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. I wish y'all could see these ladies' beautiful faces right now, but you know, it's okay because I can, and that's all that matters. (laughs) So you can just experience it through me. But (laughs) back to the topic at hand. Um, We were briefly discussing before you joined us, um, well, I was talking about why or how this topic came up for me to want to do it on the podcast and it was because I had a dream the other day and a person from my childhood was in this dream and it was a neighbor of mine who was a female and she was actually someone who sexually assaulted me not many people know about this maybe my mom or my cousin or somebody knows about this but in my dream I felt bad for her and it was like I don't remember exactly what was going on, but I just felt so bad for her. And I felt that, that sadness. And it was like, I was trying to protect her. So I was just like, why am I trying to protect her so much in my dream? And then I, I remember what, what she did to me. Um, this person I did disconnect having contact with. She probably doesn't understand why, because we never talked about it. It was just, as I got older, I started remembering things that happened and I was like I wasn't right like I can't believe that this was the situation um and she thought it was okay she was older than me um so I was talking about that dream and then Jessica was sharing one of her experiences but for me this situation started off as a game and it was a neighbor so my mom trusted me to go to their house and it wouldn't just be me but it would be like other kids from the neighborhood um who I hung out with and it would be a game like she would say let's play Batman and of course she would be the female (laughs) so it's like oh I'll be Vicky Vale and you guys will be this and this and this and she would have different roles like okay you do this and you do this and you do that so she was always the receiver and kind of told us what to do and as a kid you may feel certain sensations in your body and you don't really understand it but you're thinking that okay this person is my friend they won't tell me to do something that wasn't right and like her parents would be upstairs they wouldn't know what was going on and we would be in the basement or in her room or something And we just thought that this was normal. This is what kids do. And I've heard stories from other people and they were like, oh, that was child's play. That wasn't assault. That wasn't this, that wasn't that. And it's just like, but someone took advantage of me. 
I didn't like have a, well, you always have a choice, but as a kid, you don't know. You're like, I want this person to like me. I want to be their friend. I don't want to make them mad at me, but no one tells you, no one talks to you about that stuff. So it's like, how do you deal with stuff like that? Especially when it's someone so close to you. And then another situation was with a, a family member, my cousin, who was a few years older than me. And then another situation was with an adopted cousin or like, you know, they say, oh, that's your auntie. That's your aunt because your parents have been friends forever. And then their kids are your cousins. So it's just like, oh, I will be asleep at their house. And then all of a sudden I wake up to someone with their hands down my pants. So it's like, how do you know if it's right or if it's wrong? So that's that's the intention for this this episode is like to make make people aware that these things are happening and it could be right under your nose and you should never tell your kid oh no you don't know what you're talking about or it's not that serious um but it's like how do you support people throughout that experience so Nagin do you have an experience of something that may have happened to you dealing with sexual assault yeah, well, one I'll have to say is thank you for sharing. These topics are never easy to to open up about, and I do appreciate you holding this space. Um, second, I'll have to make a comment about you know how you said you said something about like how do you you know support these conversations, and I think it's starting here like this is normalizing these conversations and bringing awareness to them so that people like you, me, people in our circles feel comfortable talking about them amongst themselves as well. And, you know, I also had a very similar experience as you did, unfortunately. It did start like a game. It started like as if it was just child's children, you know, engaging in, um, you know, playtime. It was with an older cousin and the age gap was about seven or eight years and it lasted from the age it started when i was about five and it lasted up until i was about 11 or 12. my memory is a bit foggy when it comes to the exact timeline um but what i've been able to gather through years of therapy is that's the duration like the period in which it took place around um so yes, to answer your question, that did happen to me, and it happened to me multiple times, as you can see from the duration it, you know, took place during. And um, you know, I'll have to say it was it was very confusing as a child, and just like you, I also struggled with, you know, oh, you know, I want this person to like me, you know, this is um, this is an older cousin, they must be right. Or, you know, they they must be telling me to do the right thing. And and so, uh, you know, I engaged at times, but I knew my body felt off. I knew my body didn't agree with it. And as I got older and more aware, and most importantly, when I stepped into my sexuality and became sexually active, I started happen- having flashbacks and I started having challenges with my body and the comfortability of my vagina. I just felt like something was wrong down there and it wasn't in alignment and I couldn't figure out why for for years really. 
And I feel like I'm, I'm still on that journey <laughs> to figure it out. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was going to ask, like, you already answered some of the questions, like what age were you? And so you do remember the age. And with me, it's, it's still, it's kind of blurry too. It's mm-hmm. like, I remember certain scenes and I remember being a little girl and I remember sitting on my dad's couch because he walked in on something, but I also remember them going into the back room and me just sitting there by myself and no one coming back to say anything to me. So I still didn't think anything was wrong. It was, it's so weird to the point where I can remember exactly what my cousin's breath smelled like. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was like a smell of milk, but not like spoiled milk or anything like mm-hmm. that. So whenever I smelled a smell that, that was similar to that, that's when like some of these flashbacks and stuff will come back. Like mm-hmm. that smell is familiar. And it would kind of make me queasy to my mm-hmm. stomach. Mm-hmm. And it was like with the the other people, there weren't any things that stood out that kind of made those flashbacks come from. I, I really remember because I was older with the neighbor and with my cousin, it was probably, he was eight years older than me. So it's like, we're younger and we're not experiencing certain things. And then these are teenagers and stuff and they're going through different hormonal changes and their body is doing different things. And it was like, I remember like one game pulling me back and forth. And I was just like, what's that in your pocket? He was like, you know what that is. And I'm as a kid, I'm like, no, what is it? But you're pulling me back and forth for this friction so you can feel some sensations. And I'm thinking we're mm-hmm. just playing a game. Right. And then you would lay like he would lay me on top of him and just like move me up and down. And my when I mentioned it to my dad when I got older, he was like, Oh, I don't I don't remember that. I just remember him kissing you. And I was like, but he kissed me. Like that wasn't wrong enough. If you knew that no one still said anything to me and then it was like this whole blame game going on like my mom was like well he should have been watching you and he it's his fault and da, 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 da. I'm like just nobody talked to me about it nobody told me that this is wrong and this is wrong and earlier Jessica mentioned something about in a therapist's office where they had these dolls mm-hmm. and it was like this is a vagina this is a penis and maybe trying to see if you understood like no one touches here or whatever um, they may do with the dolls. I don't, I don't remember ever having that type of discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, Like nobody should touch you there. That's your private part. But I remember doing it with my kids and my kids are Mm -hmm. like, stop projecting onto me. I don't have a creepy uncle. No, nobody's doing anything. No, nobody's bothering me. And I'm like, but you know, you can talk to me, you know, you can talk to me. Mm -hmm. Um, especially when it's somebody you just never know but you don't want to feel like everybody will do something like that um Jessica with your situation I know you knew like the different ages were were all of the instances like family or it was just friends people you dated um one was a person I dated one was a friend of a friend another one was, was family so it was like when I was younger, it was family. Then it went off to, he was just a friend of a friend. Like he, a guy I was talking to brought his friend to the house and he sat back. I, I could tell the way he was looking at me, it was very uneasy. And then I think he purposely left one of his belongings there. 
so he had to come back and get it. And then when I was older, it was a guy that I was dating. And then um, I do remember, I don't know if my, my husband's going to listen to this episode or not, but he had a friend that made a mention of my daughter. Because my daughter's curvy. And he said, oh, I told her to change her outfit. And she didn't understand why. I said, no, no, just change your outfit. I said, um, you know, this is not appropriate anymore. Just go and put on something different. He said, and he mentioned, oh, yeah, because I noticed that she's um, starting to get sick or something. He said, it was very inappropriate to me because of what happened. And I told my husband, I want no more of your friends to come here. I said, no more of your men. I said, these house parties that we have have to stop. And they have to stop now. Mm. And he said, why? I said, just listen to me. It needs to stop. He was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And he stopped it because that, that was to me was inappropriate. You can say, oh, I could see she's growing up. I could see she's gotten bigger, but to say that she has curves and my baby was only, what, nine or 10? Mm. You shouldn't be looking at her like that. That's a little yeah. girl. And he and see she had a crush on him as well as a little little girl. So to me, that doesn't stand out good because she may allow something to happen because she has a crush on you. Mm. So I said, nope, 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 nope. I'm going to stop here and not going to allow you anywhere in a personal space where anything can happen. Mm. Yeah. So did that cause you to have a conversation with your daughter? Have, have you talked to your daughters about stuff or even your son? Because a yeah. lot of the males don't have these discussions. Like you don't touch someone inappropriate yeah. out consent or, you know, whatever. Yes, I do. I tell him when he tries to hug and kiss and force, um, because my son has autism. So at times he gets upset and wants to hug and kiss. I said, you cannot force someone to hug and kiss you. You have to ask them, can I have a hug and kiss? You cannot force it. You cannot force it. your apology as a hug and kiss. You can't do that. Um, my girls, I let them know nobody touches just your private area. You don't touch their private area. Someone tells you to, you come tell me. I don't care if they say they're going to kill me. They're going to hurt me. No one's going to get hurt but them. I said, I am not going to get hurt. Daddy's not going to get hurt. Nobody's going to hurt you. You tell us. They're only telling you that so you don't say anything to us. Not constantly ask anyone to touch them. They said, no, 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 no. I said, okay. And I try to keep the conversation clear and I try to keep an open narrative with them. So, because mm-hmm. my daughter said a boy had put his hand around her neck at school. And I'm like, what was that all about? Oh, he was playing with me. So I asked, I said, well, how did you feel? Will you feel like you were scared or hurt? She said, no, no, I just knew he was playing. And I said, well, he doesn't need to be putting his hands around your neck like that. But that's not how we show that we like you or that he's playing because mm-hmm. to me that that brings back too many that's forcing you know mm-hmm. are you going to hold her by the neck now and touch inappropriately and you know these kids have hormones and they don't understand and they sometimes they want that but they don't realize you know it's like are you okay with this are you just letting this happen because it's a guy and I think this is supposed to happen mm-hmm. yeah I completely understand and with with my kids, at first, it was just like, let me make sure nobody's bothering my daughter because her dad and I are co-parents. So she has gone back and forth from house to house. 
I don't know what's going on when she's with her dad or who's in his house or what cousins or whatever she has. And even my, my daughter, she said a comment one day, she was like, oh yeah, I have, I have something that I'm taking to the grave with me. And I was like, what? Like, you shouldn't even say something like that to me because you know I'm going to want to know what you're talking about. And as a mother, I'm going to want to protect you. But she was just like, no, just don't ask me. And I'm like, see, this is the stuff that, and I'm just like, my mind starts going in all these different directions. And I'm just like, what could she possibly need to keep a secret that she would want to take to the grave for her? She's only 17. So it's like, even her dad, when he was, when before she was born, he would say, oh, I want her to be gay. I'm like, why would you say that about your child? He was like, because I don't want to deal with any guys talking to her. And he's noticing like, oh, her boobs are getting too big. People are going to be paying attention and stuff. I'm like, ah, <laughs> it's like, we are all projecting stuff onto her. And she was like, why do people keep sexualizing me? And why do they think that I'm doing mm -hmm. something? And why do they think that this is an inappropriate and this is inappropriate? My mom is like, She's false advertising. She shouldn't post that. And she's like, I'm just trying to, you know, express myself. I'm just trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. So it's just like, where do you really find that happy medium where you're not projecting, projecting, projecting? Because we have our own traumas or our mm -hmm. own experiences because that might not really be their story. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to just put it all on my daughter and then not really have a conversation with my son, who's now 15. Um, because you never know, somebody might try to do the same thing to a male, which it has happened in people's lives before. And with him, I'm just like, you don't touch anyone without their consent. You don't do this. You don't do that. I don't care what someone says because you don't need that coming back on you. And he's just like, okay, I get it. I get it. But if more people are having these conversations with their kids and not feeling like, oh, they're not old enough. Because it could start at a young age. I was in elementary school going to the circus and the girls were like, oh, we're going to put our hands down their pants and we're going to do this. And I'm like, I was sheltered. <laughs> so even <laughs> though these things had happened to me, I didn't understand what was going on in everybody else's mind because that's not how I grew up. But I still was like, oh, well, I guess this is normal. Well, I know we stopped normalizing that. We, my my students in kindergarten this was um, about 17 18 years ago he put his hand down a boy's back of his pants and started trying to play with his butt and the kid said stop it I ain't want that gay shit man and I said huh and he said he tried to put his hand down my pants and I ain't want that gay shit what are you talking I'm like okay so I said I brought him to the corner we went to music class and I was like you know what's going on? You know, why would you do that? You know, has anyone done that to you? He's like, I'm not allowed to talk about it. I said, what do you mean I'm not allowed to talk about it? My mom said, I can't talk. I said, well, you can tell me. I won't tell anybody. And he went on to tell me that his brother was doing stuff to him. And I said, oh, does your mom know? He said, I, yes, I told her. I said, well, that's good. You told her what happened. She said, well, he, he beat him. I said, okay. And did it stop? He said, no. And he told me that if I tell again, I'm going to get in trouble. So then having that in the state that I live in, you have to go and report it. So I had to report it um, to CPS 
and the mother came after me. Mm. I said, you, first of all, CPS wasn't supposed to tell you who told you, unless the little boy told that he told me. Second of all, your son is sexually assaulting your other son, and you have done nothing to him about it. You haven't done anything. He is sexually assaulting him to the point that now he is projecting that into other children. He's going now and assaulting other children. And we don't know if this little boy is the first child that he has done it to or if he has done it to others. So I'm sorry that I had to call this, but if you would have handled this in the beginning and separated to and get your son some help and to find out if someone that did it to your son and is that why he's now doing that to your younger son? I wouldn't, we wouldn't be here right now. But to try to sweep it under the rug, like you said, whatever happens in this house stays in this house. You don't say anything to anyone. And I didn't do that to have the child taken out of the house. I just wanted him to get the help that he would need because you don't want him going up confused. He's not going to understand the different touches. And I don't want him to be that adult that's out there molesting other children because now he has some fantasy because of what happened to him and that's the only sexual experience he has so he thinks he has to repeat that over and over again and hurt people at times hurt people mm-hmm. so I mean it's, it's it's sad and as teachers you see it and it's, some of these parents don't want to deal with it you know it, 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 it's, sad. it's really really sad it is so, Nagin, with your situation, um, was justice served? Mm, in my own way. Um, so I've had, I I had an instance with mine where I I confronted my abuser um, later in my adulthood when I it was when I was um, you know eighteen and I was realizing these things coming into like consciousness. And they confronted me because they had noticed I had not, um, you know, I had removed them from social media platforms and I had stopped engaging with them, like in the sense with like, you know, seeing their stories or so they noticed this and then they they messaged me and they were like, what's going on? And that's when I decided to take the opportunity just to lay my truth out and let them know, like, yeah, I know you did this to me when I was younger from the years of this and this and it was not right it was abuse and you really like it really caused a lot of harm and you know to this day I still have the Facebook message screenshotted just as a reminder to myself that I did overcome a small part of this challenge in my life and you know they responded and they said you know uh i apologize i didn't mean to hurt you you know and so on and so forth um but you know in my family unit i will have to say was justice served no because this wasn't the only abuser in my family fast forward years later i found out through sharing my story with another younger cousin that they were being abused by uh someone else in our family who was also abused by the same cousin I was abused. And the person that they were being abused was actually their brother. And so it was like a cycle that just, it appeared to me like it was a cycle that had never been been stopped. 
it was a cycle that was just continuing for generations and it really made me upset and because this person that that revealed this information to me was also a minor i uh i did bring it to the family I brought it to the parents just so that they can hold that person accountable. But unfortunately, they they chose the route of protecting the abuser because they were fearful of that kind of confrontation. And they also did play the blame game in the sense where they turned the fingers on me. Like, why did you unveil this? And like, look at this mess. And the, this these are emotional things. Like, you know, the list goes on in terms of like lines that were spoken to me. But uh, in terms of like justice being served <laughs> in the end, not we're not there yet. For me personally, with my own abuser, that chapter was closed. And, and that's in terms of, you know, the confrontation and that was good. But um, I hope for one day that these things aren't, you know, these conversations are normalized more within family units and culturally, because I think the culture really lets you down. There's so many systems that let you down when these situations, you know, come up. It's not just the family unit, it's the the community unit, it's the the school unit sometimes can fail you. It's the the family gatherings. There's so many people there. No one felt anything, you know. So it's it's just all of these systems in place that could fail you. And I I hope that, you know, with these conversations that these things can come to light and um you know be talked about more so hopefully one day justice will be served right i i completely agree with you about that um unfortunately in my situation the two individuals that were not family i just disconnected from them like they probably still don't they probably don't even care like they i'm just a chapter in their life it's done whatever so I was like you no longer have access to me and disconnect um but with the family member I confronted that family member in my 30s I'm now 41 and when I confronted them they were going through a lot of health issues so I mentioned it because I was like, I know I'm not making this up. These are things that keep popping up in my mind over and over again. And I could see it clear as day in my mind. Um, and they told me I was overreacting. It's like, oh, you're just overreacting. And I'm going to send you an article about what overreacting means. And, oh, is this why you like girls? Because this and that. And I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on? And how are you flipping this on me? And then they went into the story about how their life was hard and they didn't think they were going to make it past a certain age. And, oh, grandma tried to put me in a mental hospital and and I didn't say anything when your dad used to beat me up when I was younger and he taught me how to write spells. Like it was just this whole woe is me deflection, all of that. And I was just like, you know what? I'm glad that I'm in a place now where I'm calling my power back and I can block all of that shit out because this is not about you. This is about me. I'm just going to express myself. I'm going to let you know that I know, I remember, and this is how I feel about it. I also disconnected from social media from this family member. And I think they noticed it. They saw a shift because for so long, I had to still put on that happy face and that, hey, cousin, what's up? Yeah, yeah, I'll come past your house. Yeah, we'll have some drinks and we'll do this and we do that. You're, you're my big cousin. Because I still, I knew as I got older it was wrong, but I was like, what do I do with that? 
what do I do with that information now? I've I've held on to it for so long. I'm the person that needs to move past it. So I was just like, no, mm-mm. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't I don't have to be who you think I should be or who you want me to be. So you no longer have access to me either. They ended up getting really sick. Even at the age of what, 45 or something, really sick in a nursing home, not able to walk. And it was just like so much stuff was happening. So that karma does find its way around. Um, and they are no longer here. So it's like, I made my piece. I said what I needed to say. I did what I needed to do. But when I did bring it up, um, it was just like a lot of false hope. Like, oh, well, we'll have a family meeting. That family meeting never happened. And then I mentioned it to my cousin's mom, who's no longer here either. And she started ducking my phone calls after that. And I was just like, are you ducking my phone calls? Is this... Like, why aren't you answering the phone anymore? Why haven't I talked to you? And she's like, because that's my son. It's like, I never asked you to choose between your son and I. I was just telling you what happened. And she she made her own choice to protect her son. So I was like, okay, I see how this is going to go. And that brought up those feelings of not feeling safe or protected. Who's going to protect me? if these the people that are su- supposed to be my elders aren't going to protect me. And then I see a, like a situation where my grandmother kept a painting or a drawing that my little sister did when she was younger. And she used to say, somebody's touching her. Somebody's doing something to her because look at this picture. This picture is telling me that somebody's doing something to her. And I was like, y'all didn't do that for me. Like you, you didn't see any signs. You didn't notice anything. But now to see someone else getting that attention I don't know if anything was done about it, but it's just like, damn, was I not given any signs? Was I not, who was checking for me? 100%. So I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I hear you. No, I'm sorry. So you probably hundred percent were, unfortunately, like a lot of those signs are ignored. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of the times children do show signs, whether they're physical or emotional, it's, it's impossible to not like, I can relate. I was wetting the bed up until I was like 11 like what no that's not <laughs> that's not normal same with, me. same with me that's the first sign of sexual abuse or assault yeah <sighs> unfortunately but with you Jessica did you did you confront well you confronted one person when they when they were trying or when when it was going on but with the other people did you confront them or get any justice for that um, well, life, I guess, calmer, but the second one as a teenager, he was killed in the drive-by. So I said, well, justice was served from that way. I don't know what else he did in his life, but he was killed that, that way. My cousin, no, it was the same type of situation. My mother confronted their parents. They didn't really say anything. They pushed it under. And I still have to, I was, but the thing was, I was still brought to the home. I still had to interact with them. It was never, um, they never tried to separate. So I had to deal with them. I had to see them and it, I don't know. It was just like, my mom tried, but then 
sometimes it's like, well, did you try hard enough? Because we still were going over there. My grandmother still went to the church. And we still had to see them sometimes on a daily basis. She was, I mean, she was doing this to kids at the church camp. They called her the little girl, Hope, Hopi. Um, I think, what's her name, Hopi? I forgot her name. She was peeing her, um, was a sleeping bag because my cousin was doing that to her. And they said, oh, she peed, no, because she was getting molested by her. She would wait for everybody to go to sleep and then go bother her. So you had, you see her doing this to people over and over and over again. Oh, she's gonna get better, she's gonna get better, you know, and like, but does she? But now life has go, done it, like you said herself, she lost her whole front, her whole front row of teeth are gone. And I'm 39, she's like 43. And her life has never been as productive as you would think. And she has two kids and it's like, I wonder about her children, you know, things that are said or things that are done, you know, that they said, it makes me think. Because if you did this to somebody that your cousin that you're close to, why wouldn't you do it to your own child? So I mean, I I think sometimes our parents they don't I don't know if it's failing us or they think they did the best or they don't want to get the authorities involved. But sometimes I think you need to. I mean, family be mad at you, they'll be, but they'll get over it. But sometimes stuff needs to be stopped because it's going to continue to happen. Like you said, in your family, you know, this one started with another person. It's like now it's going to be a snowball effect. So what would you guys suggest in a situation where you may think somebody's doing something to someone else, but you don't really have the concrete evidence? Um, I know with teaching, we do that whole, um, psychology play on kids. So you befriend them and you talk and you say, it's okay. You know, you can tell me and try to get them to say, feel like they're safe. And then they'll start projecting on you. Or if somebody does something, you don't have to say what they did. Just tell me, you don't want to go with them. And then they'll start sometimes they'll let you no 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 I don't want to go I don't want to go no 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 you know and you'll see the hesitation and then I think accepting the child because most children will not lie about that mm-hmm. that's one thing most young children don't know anything about that so there's no need for them to lie and say that you made them touch them somewhere or you touched them somewhere because they don't know I mean my girlfriend her son told on his grandmother because she was bathing him he touched, she touched my penis, but oh. he was, ba- she was bathing him. She said, good job. She did not yell at him because she said he did what I told him to do. She said, well, how did he touch? She, and she said, well, how did grandma touch your penis? She had the washcloth and she said, okay. And she said, okay, mom, he just told me that you touched the penis. So she, she reprimanded her mother in front of him to give him that safe space that you can tell me it's okay. She said, mom, I don't let him touch, let him clean his own private area he said okay okay and they left it like that which is one good way of doing that um but it's, it's the older kids that get 
scared about because they don't want to they know it sometimes they know it's wrong and they're afraid that they're going to get hurt because some people they do that they put that whole i'm going to kill you i'm going to hurt you and they get scared they clam up yeah it's it's tough because i've heard of situations where it happens at a young age where some kids can't even really talk to express themselves so it may be a whole bunch of like whining or crying or just shutting down and people don't really know and you don't have the proof you can't take them to the doctor and say hey is somebody doing something if it's just like fondling or whatever because sexual assault is not just intercourse or like Mm -hmm. it could be just touching you inappropriately telling someone else to touch you inappropriately um so that those are the tough situations and people they get older and start remembering but then they feel like why didn't anyone protect me so it's like that trauma still there those wounds are still there where you're like somebody should have known but it's like how how could you do mm-hmm. you really know what signs to look out for but see you've been you've been a teacher so you know certain signs to look out for um but it's like when you're in it you don't really know what you're showing other people too um because they could look at like you're just being an introvert you're just being shy or it could be anything so that's that's the tough part um, it is so what about you, Nagin? Do you have? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I would have to say, like, I agree with you, Jessica, in that, like, and creating that safe space. I don't have any kids, so I do have to put that disclaimer out there. So I don't have that personal experience. But from an auntie standpoint, a nephew and, um, you know, me and my mom are really like conscious about that and my mom now does know about what happened to me so we do try to enforce those conversations and make sure he knows what places are not okay to be touched by strangers and if and make sure he also understands consent you know you people don't touch you if you don't want to be touched and vice versa and uh you know we make sure we have those conversations not just once a quarter or like you know every once in a blue moon but multiple times so that they are normal conversations and not just those like periodic check-ins so that he does feel more comfortable if you know those situations do come up he can he can relay those relay that to us it's tough though I would have to say like I I can't imagine being a teacher and trying to do that with like multiple kids with multiple personalities and trying to make those connections you know I'm speaking from a standpoint with just trying to make that connection with one person who's family to me but with with a larger population strangers or people that you're that aren't family it can be it can draw different challenges because you know people communicate differently people receive differently people just express themselves so differently and there are also cultural nuances that you may not know about that could also like feed into that difference yeah so is there something that they well I know they teach sex ed in school do they ever have do they I don't remember anything like that from when I was in school they don't talk to you about they talk to you about drugs 
they talk to you about sexual education and understanding your body, but I've never come across any curriculum that talks about assault or protecting no. yourself. No, and they should. They, that's just taught in preschool, really, even maybe even daycare of the right and wrong, you know, touches because it happens. It's, for some reason, they ignore, I don't know if they think a child is not going to remember what happens, but like, as you said, you get older and different smells, different touches. I flinch at times. I, you know, pinch up at times. So you remember things. I remember my mom, some part is rural, a certain amount of years are very, very foggy. I remember nothing. And she said, okay, good. I'm like, what do you mean? Okay, good. What happened? You know? They need to talk to kids. I, I do I do think they need to start talking to children because they need to know right and wrong because you have some children that are in single-parent homes or like you said, co-parenting where you know your daughter is safe in your home. But when she goes with um, her father, not that he's not protecting her and watching her, he's a man. Like we always say, men don't watch over our kids like they do, like we do. So he's not going to really pay attention sometimes. They're, they're over there playing and if something happens, as long as she's quiet, you know, he, okay, they're fine. You know, they want to enjoy themselves and they have people around not thinking if something, could something happen? We always say something could happen. So we really monitor who we have around our children. They, they don't as much. Mm-hmm. Or you have the mothers that I really need a break. So you continue to allow your child to go somewhere and you know your child is being abused. You know your child is being abused. And you just need a break. And you continue. And then once the child does it to someone else, then that's when you want to act like, oh, I don't know. And it personally happened in our family, a situation like that. And she continues to allow the child to go to the family member's house knowing that he was being abused. Uh. And and then the child says, I can't talk because I have a diaper case. So now you're teaching the child not to say anything if this continues to happen because you have a, a case. Hmm. So what do you guys feel justice should look like in these types of situations because for me I guess with me expressing myself or confronting the person that did it to me I wanted them to be accountable for what they did and to take ownership I don't know if an apology would have mattered because I felt I probably would have felt like they're just telling me what they think I want to hear but just some type of accountability but some people are like, no, I want them locked up. And then some people are like, you know, I want them to get help or they need to go mm-hmm. see a therapist or, you know, whatever, whatever. What do you feel justice would be? Um, I think it depends on each matter. Like Josh Duggar, he was molesting, I think, his sisters and a family friend. And it went on and on. So he had child pornography. Mm. They found child pornography. So his parents tried to brush it like it was 
nothing really wrong, but you see it went on. So if you have a person that's continually doing it to other people, they need to get help and get real help. Sometimes, yes, if rape of a little child, I think, yes, they need to be put in jail, but a lot of these, they need to seek a therapist, find out what's going on, why they did it, to who they did it, and maybe not be around children at all. Uh Mm, Yeah, I would agree. I would say that justice is going to look different for everybody. I think like accountability is always important, uh, but that's also going to look different for people, whether that means like writing a letter, whether that means legal action, whether that means like a physical confrontation, like face to face. You know, for me, it was a confrontation over social media. That was enough for me. Yeah. You know, and I've had to make my peace in my own way throughout the years and just heal on my own. And for me, that looked like going to therapy consistently and showing up for myself in that way. You know, for others, it may may look a little different. And I think it's about it's a journey. I think healing never really the journey to heal is is never ending. It's kind of just ongoing and it's going to fluctuate through years. Like our brain develops and our consciousness develops, our emotions develop and change. So it, it's going to, the picture is going to constantly change. Yeah. And I remember someone saying to me, I think I shared my story with someone and I told them that the person that did it to me was experiencing some challenges in life. And they were like, well, you know, you can help heal them. I was like, what? What do you mean? She's like, well, because you, you're you repeating that same story over and over again. It's making you the victim and it's giving your power away. And you can heal them by changing the narrative and not making them a monster. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> First of all, like if they made themselves a monster I didn't make them anything and yeah I can pray for somebody and hope they get better and but it's like how (laughs) the way people view these types of things it's like where is this coming from have you ever experienced it before in your life and how do you feel that you can give that type of comment (laughs) like it's just it just ah it's just they protect them. I don't know why they have a need to protect the person that did the hurt. It happens all the time. They, like you said, oh, they're going through a lot or somebody did it to them and they're just projecting that and they don't understand what's going on and we have to have forgiveness. A lot of times they, they try to protect it, them and I don't know why. Like, what, like you said, what about me? What about my protection? Who wanted to protect me? No one's out here fighting for me, but you're ready to go to battle for them. But they're the one that and 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 hurt me. And I'm I am the victim because I'm the one that got hurt. They're walking around here fine. They're going out here doing it to other people, but I'm the one here who can't have a wholehearted, healthy relationship with my spouse at times because I'm clinging up and I'm being very um, emotional about things that he's not hasn't even done but it's taking me back to a place where I was before, which is not fair to him because he's innocent in the situation. Mm-hmm. And then you have to learn a whole, a whole nother level of intimacy. You got to rebuild that up. 
and let go of those wounds and traumas. And unfortunately, people end up paying for something they didn't do, like you said. But it's like you have to get through not feeling dirty, not feeling used, not feeling um, less than. And it's like you never know when these things are going to come up. So you may freeze. Like I remember having sex before and tears rolling down my face. And that person's like, what's going on? What's, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, I don't even feel sometimes. Well, I've been married for 17 years, but I've been through situations where it's like, I just felt numb. Mm-hmm. It literally felt like, I don't know if, <laughs> with color purple, like this person is getting on top of me doing their business. And I'm just a prop. And that's what I felt like as a child, like I'm just a prop for this person to do whatever they feel they want to do when they want to do it. And so it takes a whole bunch of just work. Just it's, it's work to get back to your true authentic self. And you want to feel anger. You want to feel frustration. You might even want to punch somebody in the face, (laughs) but you can't do that. So it's like, you can journal all day long, but it's like, ah, And we never know why these things happen to us. But it's like, just like what we're doing right now today, we can turn that pain into purpose to help somebody else, to give somebody else a voice. Because once I started opening up about my story, then more people opened up about their story. And I was like, why didn't you say anything? Well, well, back in my day, you know, it wasn't da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, but if I know that it, I, I don't know, but I guess that's why we're here to break the cycles. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just going to take it as that. I'm not going to question why other people didn't do certain things because they probably didn't feel safe. They probably didn't know that they had the option, but my generation <laughs> and hopefully the generations to come will take away that normalization if that is that a word yeah <laughs> of yeah, this I, type of thing and yeah. instead of just stranger danger like maybe they'll really up that talking about Chester the molester like we heard about that back it was a song but mm-hmm. nobody still really talked about it yeah, you're, you're, so right, you're right they need to add that into the curriculum or something and like you even yeah. said with daycare like you never know if daycare providers are doing something to the kids and then the yeah, baby's but- crying when you drop them off or the kid's crying. You you just think that they just don't want to leave. They they just want to be with you all day. But no, it's like, no, I don't, I don't mess with Miss Ann or <laughs> this other person. No, you're right. Yeah, you're definitely right. I remember my English teacher in, I think, what was it, 10th grade? She was a whole class of girls. And she just one day was just like, how many of you have been sexually assaulted in any way? And when majority of the classroom raised up their raised their hands, she cried. And the one girl, she said, "Oh my gosh, nothing ever happened to me." I said, "You know, you're so blessed that you didn't have to deal with that." I said, "Don't feel bad because you're the only one that hasn't." Said that's a good thing. And she was trying to teach us forgiveness and not to hold. I guess sometimes your parents just do the best that they can do. They don't know what to do, and. 
if you told them and they tried to comfort you, then maybe that's all they knew how to do. Or some of them, she said, some of them just knew not to speak about it. So it's 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 hard. And every like you said, every person's story is unique. And family gatherings is that's one time. Sometimes a lot happens because you have a lot of kids, and no one is paying attention, and they really don't notice that two or three children are missing from the group. And then that's when things happen, or that one uncle or that one cousin that comes in and, you know, where are they? You know, where are the kids? Where are they? Oh my God, like, get them. And you, you did hear about some stuff and stuff, but don't let, don't go around this person, you know, don't let that person be alone with the kids. But you guys aren't doing anything about it to stop it. You know, don't just say, don't bring your child around. No, say you can't come around with this kid's here. You can't be around. Just don't, you, I'm sorry. We'll give you a plate. You can come when the kids are gone, you know, but I don't know why. I think, I don't know why our families do that. I don't know if it's shame. Again, you were going to say something? I was going to say because it's easier for them. You know, I think yeah. it's painful to face it. And that's what I found in my family unit. It was, it was more painful for them to face the truth and accept it and take accountability. And and it was harder for them to, that was more painful. It was easier to victim blame. It was easier to point fingers. It was easier to turn their heads, to brush it under the rug and act like it never happened. It's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. And then I heard something, they were saying, oh, well, she looked at me a certain way or she wanted this. And I said, how does a child say that they like you or they don't know what a crush is or they don't know what this is for them to say that they wanted that? No, no child is projecting themselves or dressing too provocative. How does a three or four year old dress provocatively for you to say, yes, this child wants me? Like you, no. So I know we gave a little bit of advice throughout the dialogue, but do you guys have any particular advice that you would give someone else or you would have wanted someone to say to you to help avoid some of these situations? Um, so they feel comfortable to speak up. Like you said with your daughter, like nobody's going to kill me. Nobody's going to do anything to hurt me. But yeah, do you guys have any advice? Um, try to keep an open dialogue. Um, try to be a safe space for someone. If you see something, try to talk to them or give them, you know, suggestions on, to the parent. Oh, maybe you should have them talk to somebody, you know, acting a little different. Maybe try a little therapy, you know, there's someone for them to talk to because something might be going on. And see how they accept that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think definitely it starts with like educating. I think it definitely starts with having these conversations like here and at the table, even if it's after dinner, you know, with the family, just normalizing them and starting with like the educational piece. And at this point in time we have so many resources at the tips of our fingers we have these technologies we have these phones we can google we have there's 
informa informative videos on YouTube, you know, with that could be helpful for kids that are, you know, in more animated uh, visuals to teach them. So there's just no excuse for these things to keep happening. There's so many resources. Yeah, and I think with me, something that I did differently was I shared my story. I'm an open book. So I was like, if my kids will feel more comfortable expressing something because I let them know, I don't have to give them too many details about my stuff, but hey, when I was younger, some things happened to me. And, you know, as I, as I got older, I realized it wasn't right. So if you're ever experiencing anything, you know, you can come talk to me. So for any parents or family members, like be okay with sharing your story because mm -hmm. you just never know how it could help someone else on their journey. And, you know, for those listeners, we're going to wrap it up, but there is a national sex assault hotline out there. So you can always call. It's 24 seven. It's a hotline. You can be anonymous. You can ask questions. You can reach out for help. I will put that information in the description box, but for if you have a pen and paper, you can write it down. That number is 1-800-656-4673. And you can go to the website as well, which is www.rainn.org slash resources rain.org slash resources and as I mentioned I'll put that information in the description box this conversation could go on for an eternity because I'm sure <laughs> there is much much more that we could say much more many more people that can join the conversation feel free if you want to send an email as I mentioned to me if you have a, a story to share or if you want to join me on another podcast episode we can have a part two um, if you need some support or just an outlet to vent, um, I'm here. We're here. And that's it for me. Do you ladies want to say anything else to close out? Well, thank you for having, for having us, for having me and, you know, giving this space and platform to talk about this issue it's very important. And, uh, you know, I really hope that these conversations can influence or inspire someone else to, to bring it am amongst their own friend groups or community. Yes. And that if it's, if it's happening to you or to someone that, you know, you're not the, you're not the bad person. You did nothing wrong. And just to speak up, you're not, you're okay. And you did nothing wrong. So don't be afraid to speak up because you're not going to get in trouble. Right. And you don't have to avoid conflict or confrontation. Whatever is meant to be will be. So just let things happen. Make sure you feel safe. Make sure you have your power. And if you have to be the one to protect yourself, do the damn thing. Yeah. So that is it for us for this episode of soul healer podcast until next time i will chat with you later